Secrets of a dance hit with Ridney. Welcome, welcome friends. Season two continues of Secrets of a Dance here. I hope you've been enjoying all the shows so far. Thank you if you're able to drop a few coins or take a subscription on the Patreon each month. There's some extras now I'm doing, like giving away old dub plates, and you'll be able to get shows early if you sign up to the Patreon. Uh, but yeah, who is this week's guest? Well, someone I've worked with before in 2008 uh, from New York City. Uh, you'll probably know him for two very very big records over a fantastic career the first being powerhouse what you need at the huge crossover record with Dwayne Harden on vocals and then also chocolate sensation a kind of verses with DJ Shorty I think it was uh, the guy I'm talking about is Mr. Lenny Fontana and yeah we had a chat again this was pre-covid so sort of Christmas 2019 he'd come off the back of an extensive tour when I managed to quickly get an interview with him. So enjoy Mr. Lenny Fontana on Secrets of a Dance Hit. Secrets of a Dance Hit with Ridney. Welcome everyone to this podcast and I'm very, very excited with this guest. He is the man behind what we're going to say today is powerhouse what you need, but that is not exclusive there are other big tracks this man has been behind too we may get round to discussing those it's mr lenny fontana live from new york how are you sir thank you sir i'm good how are you mr i'm Ridley? good i'm good the first thing i have to say is you've recently been on a relentless tour and you've been <laughs> kind enough to jump on skype and have a little chat with me so i do really really appreciate your time and the fact that you probably need to be resting that's okay. You know what? There's always time to chatter. I love I love coffee time. I love coffee talking. time. Yeah, Lenny just said to me, he's teed himself up with some fresh yep. coffee and life's good. Twenty years old this year for Powerhouse. What you need? Correct. Twenty years of age. Yeah. Correct. Little bit of homework here. You may or may not be impressed. Number thirteen in the UK singles chart. Number one US Billboard dance. Huge across Europe. I think it was like six or seven countries that I spotted. You'll probably tell me more. Well, actually, we went up higher. We went up to, I think it was five. And then was it? Yeah, we went up pretty high. And in those days, it was 80,000 physical copies to sell. Remember, yeah, which is huge. I mean, that's the number one record easily these days, isn't it? Yeah, 80,000? Yeah. In the top 10, so you can imagine how many units you were shipping back then. Yeah, crazy, you know? crazy. With what you need, what was the sort of starting place for you? Did you have the record and then find Dwayne? How did it kind of work for you? Well, the, 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 the bridge to this is Gladys Pizarro as Strictly Rhythm. Okay. Who was, at that time, probably the best A&R person in the game in dance music. She had more hit records than anyone else. I brought the demo, an instrumental of the demo. She loved it and said, listen, I want to try something. I got this guy, his name is Dwayne. Let's, let's all meet at your studio. Dwayne came in and that's when the magic began. I played some other tracks. He goes, wait, wait, stop, stop. Let me write this. I think it was, if I remember correctly, a verse or a chorus, something like that. Maybe he tracked the chorus first. He says, I, I hear it like this. I got what you've been looking for. I got what you need. Like that. And Gladys writing, was feeling it as you guys were 
doing it, right? Yeah, she was like, I- I'm feeling this. She's like, but let- yo, man, she would say, yo, can you make it like this? I want it big. I finally get the mix right. And, you know, I do the contract with them. Dwayne does the contract as well. All that yada yada jazz. We get past that. Then we get to the point where I finish the mix and I mix it on the SSL console. So I went to Unique with um, uh, Jim Bonsai Caruso, a very close friend of mine. He engineered it and we mixed it there. We got it really sounding great. She loved it. She says to yo, man, I'm going to push the button on this. I'm like, cool. So when she means that is, it means they're going to put all their powers and all their mights yeah. behind the record. So they did was, they did, they did about 25 te- uh, acetates, not even test pressings, acetate, lacquer, reference yeah. plates. They got cut. Smell they lovely, smell, don't they? They smell like kerosene, correct. Yeah. Fresh kerosene. So they were given to Danny Rampling, Bobby and Steve, Paul Trouble Anderson. So they all went to the UK? Yeah, they all went right into the Which UK. Is- which is nuts because for me, you think, wouldn't they have stayed in New York? Wait, 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 wait. hang on, hang Go on. on. Let me finish. Tell me. Louis Vega, Tony Humphrey, okay. David Miles, Frankie The Knuckles. US guy's got them too. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically like 25 or 30 of the tastemakers. Yeah. Within that weekend, I'll never forget this. I receive a phone call at home in New York and Simon Dunmore rings me. He says, listen, I heard the record. I'm going to call Mark Finkelstein on Monday. I'm going to make a move for the record. I was like, great. Exactly what we were hoping for was that it was going to get a licensing deal in the UK. And just to clarify for listeners who don't know, Simon Dunmore is Simon Dunmore of Defective Records. Correct. Do you think at the time you guys were in a golden era where us UK was looking at the US just like, what have you got? And your sound at the time was just just perfect for the UK. And it was kind of like... I think at that point it was been nurtured to the point where it's it was right for the UK. Yeah. Based on the disco sound, it was building through the 90s and by the end to late to the end of the 90s it became the de facto sound. And of course, if you're a disco fanatic like I was and some of the other guys, this was a dream come true to even if it was filtering a disco track and writing a new top line. That was as close as we were going to get to producing disco. And let me ask you, with the sample, the Thelma Houston, I'm here again, was... How was that for you? Was it ever problematic? Never problematic. It was It was fine. It was well taken care of by all the labels. There was never a problem. It was strictly, they went, yeah, we'll sort it out. It's, n- it's no big thing. They, they handled it on their own. They took care of it. The labels took all good care of that. Some of the other episodes that I've done, samples have been tricky or they've either been super, super smooth, you know? Okay, so I'm going to tell you where it wasn't tricky is when I had the other hit record, Chocolate Sensation. I was going to say, I want to touch on chocolate. Really interesting from a sampling point because it's two samples, right? It's two samples and two very expensive samples, yes. Okay. Am I right in saying it's Johnny Hammond and yes, you are. obviously Lilia Halloway, Love Sensation? Yes, and I will say this to you. I later found out years later from um, Lolita's best friend, Okay. Very close to her. She said to me, that was the best record she ever heard her voice next to the original. Wow. I was so blown away when I heard that because I always wanted to know what she thought of my work. Yeah. Because she was really tough on that stuff about samples and things. Okay. A usage of her vocal. Yeah. I mean, I used her vocal. You know, and mind you, that vocal was very famous. You know, Daniel Davily used it on Right on Time. You're right. Which, for me, UK-wise, you know, that is the kind of starting block of how, when I was a kid, most people had first heard that vocal. Uh, you know, if, you, if you'd if you not known the original, as a kid born in 1979, 
growing up in the 80s, that was the first usage I ever heard was right on time. Right. I took a shot at using that acapella. I never thought that that record was going to do anything. And at the time, did you just think, I'm taking this, I'm taking this, and we'll see where it goes? That's exactly what happened, to tell you the truth. I think I had just gotten, I was using a program called Digital Performer, which okay. allowed me to have two stereo audio tracks with MIDI. That was huge. See, this was, this was going to ask you, with both records, what sort of software were you using at the time to, to put these records together? Because I think with some of the other episodes, you know, there's no Ableton, there's no things no, that no, modern no, no, producers no, no, no. would just go, oh yeah, warp it, done in five seconds. Okay, so then let me explain this to everyone out there. In those days, there was no loops there was no Fruity Loops from yeah. Apple yeah. and all kinds of stuff that enhances a producer. So within five minutes, a producer can have a track up and running with piano loops, conga yeah. loops. No, yeah. no, that stuff had to be programmed or you had to sample stuff off records. Yeah. And so what are we talking? It. Akai, Emu, where, where were you? Okay, so in my racks, I had S1100, two of those, yeah. CD3, Akai CD3000, yeah. Akai S950, JV2080, Kurzweil K2000, Proteus, all the EMU stuff in those yeah. days, Proteus 1, Vintage Keys, a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Juno 106, a mini Moog in the key. Uh, I mean, I had analog boards. We had a full arsenal. And in those days, my mixing console was a console from AMEC called Attack Scorpion. Nice. So I had Attack Scorpion in the room, Outboard gear, you know, maybe like Yamaha SPX 90s, 900s, a Lexicon 300 Reverb. Yeah, 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 I had yeah. stuff. I had all the kit and a, and a two-inch machine in the room. A yeah. two-inch from Tascam, yeah. MTR, MTR yeah. machine. Yeah. The technology of being able to lock up two digital audio, a stereo pair of audio with MIDI. So now through 70 time code and a tape machine, I can bounce back and forth and edit digitally and then drop it back onto tape. But all this took more and more time to do. So all that these steps that you would do within seconds now, they can't do in those days and steps. I know, that's, a, that's the nuts thing. Like when producers approach me and talk about, oh, I'm doing this in Ableton or Logic or whatever, and they're doing it in, in a few seconds. I think that's the really important thing that I want to try and convey with people like yourself about records written 20 years ago is just how much time had to go in to make that sound right. Yeah, especially when it's kind of sample-based. Probably more in chocolate sensation then what you need is just locking that getting the right keys matching and and it's sounding perfect to be right right the sampling of a record and and, and it drifting that's another issue in itself and some of the guys if you hear some of those old records those samples are drifting all over the place yeah. I always try to cut samples up to a point where they were super tight. And I, I actually think that is why these records have gone on to be so good and people always go back to them because of how they sound. You know, because you guys were so quick at that and then and it's it is an art. For me it's almost linked to hip hop because hip hop guys were the same. They were they were on their NPCs locking in samples and getting them just so super tight and perfect and get the crossfades right so everything sounds right. Totally correct. And the other part of it was I had some phenomenal, great musicians around me. What we would do is we would comp parts that I would literally rip the samples apart, making those samples sound like the real, the real deal. The real in deal, other words, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we would actually comp them so that 
I'd have the parts ripped apart by having all instrumentation done. Yeah. And that's how my records always stood out. Let me ask you a question, right? Obviously on the podcast, there's going to be producers, you know, younger guys that and girls that are producing now. What would you say to them is a tip that you would give? Music is like art. So everyone has a perspective of what they think their music should sound like. What I've always said was, if you want to be good at what you do, you must study your history. To be great at something now or a forward thinker, you must understand where it came from. I'm going to say a huge thank you so much again for taking the time out when I know you've been traveling the globe. And obviously, I'd like you to just say quickly what's happening with Karmic Power, your label, and with yourself. Karmic Power Records is looking always and releasing some of the top house productions. Um, right now, I have a record I'm getting ready to sign off with Chris Willis, who worked, funny enough, with David yeah, Geller. Yeah, huge vocalist. Top of the world. And there's other stuff, you know, I can sit here and for a thousand days and name everything <laughs> off, but that's... Basically, Basically, you're still very, very busy, and that's what I like to hear. Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to stay busy. And all you guys keep inviting me to play makes it even that yeah, much better. Yeah, absolutely. And I, thank, and I thank all of you for so, that. That's important. So if people want to go find you on the internet, where are you at? Simply www.lennyfontana.com, or you can just Google me. My man, it has been an absolute pleasure to have a proper chat with you and share some of the stories. I know we probably spoken about personally over the years but i've not had the chance to share with everybody so thank you very much thank you for having me and i appreciate it as always secrets of a dance hit with ridney Huge thanks to this week's guests and of course to you for tuning in. If you've missed any of the previous shows, they are available on Spotify or Apple or the usual providers. Just search out Ridney or Secrets of a Dance Hit. They should all pop up. And of course, don't forget if you're feeling generous, uh, drop a donation into the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ridney and hopefully we can get some more artists on the show. And a big up, of course, to Carl Hannigan for all his amazing efforts on the show. Thank you, sir. And we will do it again soon. Till then, see ya.